I have something brand new that I'm super excited to share with you. It's called the Community Creators Hub, and I've made it just for you. You can search through every episode of this podcast by keyword, download all of my favorite guides and resources, and find all of my recommended tools for community creators. And the best part? It's completely free. Just go to Community Creators Hub, that's Community Creators Hub, H-U-B, dot com to get your free access. Have you been wanting to grow your audience and your business without having to do paid advertising? Are you really frustrated with your organic growth? Well, I want you to try this secret collaborations. I have with me today Jordan Gill, who is the queen of collaborations. She's going to be breaking down how she leverages over 50 collaborations a year to hit her seven-figure revenue goal. This is for you, the online business owner who wants to maximize your profit and multiply your impact. I'm Shanna, host of the Community Creators Podcast. I've spent over a decade helping top brands and entrepreneurs create thriving communities that increase their reach, retention, and revenue. This podcast is where I share my best insights and invite you into conversations with the world's leading community creators and cultivators. So grab your favorite mug, fill it up, and let's get started. Well, friend, I am really excited today because I am actually bringing you a new friend of mine. Her name is Jordan Gill, and she is a seven-figure business strategist. Now, you may know her from her Done in a Day program, which is how she helped over 500 people create VIP days. You know, those one-day, often in-person, but not always, strategic days where it's just kind of one and done, right? And now she runs Ready, Set, Collab, which is a network for established entrepreneurs who want to grow their business with win-win collabs. So I'm excited because we're going to be diving into how she does 50 really strategic collaborations a year to make sure that she hits her seven-figure revenue goal. And there's some neat kind of like nuances and tools that she uses to make this possible. So there's so much goodness we're going to be talking about. I'm really excited. Jordan, thanks so much for hanging out with me. Yes. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm super pumped. Community is definitely something that I enjoy uh, myself and that I think is extremely important in entrepreneurship, like crucial. (laughs) Okay. So tell us what your favorite community is that you've ever been a part of and what you loved the most about it. I've been a part of quite a few communities. A mini background is that I've moved 12 times in my life. I have been in and out of a lot of communities, whether it was local, because I'm literally moving. I went to three different high schools in three different states. I've had my fair share. And I would say that one of my favorite communities, I'll keep it recent, is a peer mastermind that I'm a part of. And the reason for it is because there's such a level of vulnerability that we have with one another with things that are really hard in business that have you questioning everything that have you feeling like, Oh my gosh, am I cut out for this? And I think anytime you have a community where you can be real in yourself, whether that's, Hey, I like to go to sleep at 9 PM and wake up at 5 AM and go running or, Hey, I'm a night owl and I'm up till 2 AM and you won't see me until 10 AM. And that is what it is when you can just show up and be yourself and there's no judgment or trying to adjust yourself to the community, I think is one of the most powerful things. So my peer mastermind, I'm very, very fortunate and blessed that we see each other for who we are and still accept and embrace each other, which is pretty rare. Yeah. And I think ultimately as humans, that's what we all want. We deeply desire to not just be accepted, but I 
here's the thing is I think in the world that we live in today, especially with all the social media and all that, I know everybody like likes to blame that. But I think we all put on the face in the front that we think is most likely to be accepted. And then when we get that acceptance, we actually don't feel true belonging because deep in our heart, we know, "Ah, well, they're accepting that version of me, but that's actually not really me. They don't know all of these other things. They don't know the truth about what I'm dealing with at home or what my P&L actually looks like or all of these other things. And so when you have this community of people that knows you fully and yet you're still accepted, like that's the ultimate belonging. 100%. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to dive into collaborations. And I'd love for you to give a little bit of context because, I mean, a lot of people probably know what this means, but I think it's something that people have always said, like collaboration over competition and all of these little phrases, which basically means have a mentality that we should all work together to grow each other's businesses. And I've seen I have some friends actually that are all artists, all in the artist space that have been collaborating for years and their businesses exploded. And there's so many people that would look at the fact that they all do something similar and serve a similar market and be like, yeah, we should never work together. We should never promote to each other's audiences. We're competitors. But they chose a different route, but you've really taken it to a whole nother level. So can you talk like, what does collaboration even mean for you? Yes. So collaboration to me means that you're able to take more than one business. So you and one other business or you and 10 other businesses, and you're able to march toward a similar goal, meaning that you found some sort of win-win-win. And a real life example that I really like to share because it really fascinates me is the Michelin company. So the tire company and restaurants. If you are a foodie or if you watch food competitions, you always hear how many Michelin stars do they have, you know, restaurant Michelin stars, the Michelin guide, all that stuff. And how that actually started was Michelin realized that not enough people were driving. So tire sales were down. And so they were like, how do we get people to drive? If they are going to a restaurant, they have to drive. And so they created the very first Michelin guide. And that was showcasing the different restaurants that were opening and the different food and stuff like that. And actually produced more people going to restaurants. And so again, that is a beneficial goal for restaurants because people are coming to eat their food and enjoy and they have happy sales. And Michelin's happy because you're wearing down your tires faster and you have to buy more tires from Michelin. I like to share that example because it starts your wheels turning on kind of, it doesn't have to be so straight shot and not that anything is wrong with the typical collaborations. And there are so many ways and depths that you can go when you think about how you can create those win-win collaborations, because it may not be like, oh, you get sales and I get sales. That's great. And a win for sure. However, for me, I usually look at it as, more from a leads or even audience type of opportunity because I know that organically they're going to become customers or clients. And so I don't necessarily feel like I have to go for sales every time I collaborate because I think you miss out on a lot of the magic that can happen in collaboration if you're always just chasing the immediate sale. So people think like JV webinars, joint venture webinars where you see two people partnering up 
they're sharing with their audience and then they're selling something at the end. That's great. That's cool. That's awesome. Nothing is wrong with that. And there's so many other ways that I've experienced collaboration and that I have encouraged collaboration that has brought about really awesome exposure opportunities, or it's led to another speaking engagement from that speaking engagement or whatever the case is. So to not pigeonhole yourself and like, oh, collaboration means that you're making sales and I'm making sales. There's so many other benefits that you can get from collaborations that I want to encourage people to really think about. I'm glad you broke that down because I do think a lot of people immediately think about affiliate marketing. We've talked about affiliate marketing on the podcast before, but people think, okay, I'm going to promote you, but there's some money, there's some financial incentive on the back end, and that is collaboration. And I'll be honest, like I don't do affiliate stuff to my list and big promotions and things like that because I'm really not that great at selling my own stuff, honestly. <laughs> I always forget. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to promote. Shoot. Yes. So like, I'm not going to give that energy and space to other people right now because I need to get better at doing it for my own good, if you will. But I love working together in all other sorts of areas and figuring out how I can elevate and lift up other people's businesses, if you will, because I know, like, I just know that's going to come back around in a lot of ways. But the thing that's coming to mind for me, which is kind of interesting, because you kind of brought up Michelin, which is not in our industry. I love, first off, they were very clear on the problem they needed to solve, which I just released a podcast episode on this. It's like, solve the right problem. The problem wasn't that they were bad at marketing and sales. The problem was people weren't driving. So they found a way to solve that. Super smart. But using something that's outside of the online space, I love doing that in examples. And I, in my old online marketing days, like traditional and online marketing, we did marketing for like high-end retailers of appliances, like Gen Air Appliance and Thermador. And we did what we called co-op advertising, which this agency that I was partnered with was really well known for. And basically what it was is we would pitch to Gen Air or GE an advertising campaign we wanted to run about our store, but we were going to highlight their brand in that ad campaign. And they would essentially pay for the whole advertising campaign, as long as it was their product that was featured in the campaign. And it was how we got hundreds and thousands of dollars of free marketing and advertising money because these brands have co-op funds just sitting there. And so it's fascinating because I think about how there's so much in traditional marketing and advertising that has not yet translated over. And I know that's really an extreme of the idea of collaboration, but this isn't anything new. It's just something that our industry has had a different culture. And I think you and other people are really starting to shift that. So give me some examples of different ways that you do collaborations. There's quite a range. And there's parts of me that are like, maybe I should just hone in on one type of collaboration. But honestly, I don't do one type of collaboration. So it feels weird to go down that path. But some common collaborations that I've done or that I've seen people done do are guest podcasting like this or podcast swaps where someone's on your podcast and then you're on their podcast. I've seen list swaps. So where you each give each other a freebie and you do a solo email blast to your list showcasing that freebie so that people can join that other person's list and vice versa. I've seen collaborations where it's like speaking, very, very traditional in the sense of, hey, you're coming and speaking on my stage, or again, we're doing a panel, 
or things like that. And then I've also seen out of the box type collaborations that are, you see less often, but aren't less awesome in my opinion. Like for example, I'm doing a collaboration with a gal for my event and I have these 16 VIP speakers who are attendees who want to share their message. They have something that they want to give to the community that's coming, both in person and virtually. It's really awesome messages, whether it's, hey, I'm the breadwinner of my family as the woman and how that has shaped the success in my business. A lot of really interesting conversations to be had. And I wanted them to have support in creating that message. I didn't want them to feel like they were just going up there and talking. So I actually collabed with a gal who is a speaking coach. And we did where she is supporting my VIP speakers and helping them shape their message and uh, also come up with like their titles, stuff like that. And then in exchange, she's introducing all of them and getting exposure to the, again, projected a thousand people 800 online, about 200, 250 in person who potentially are wanting to speak instead of me being like, okay, like everyone's on their own, like figure out your speaking stuff. I get to highlight somebody that I know is awesome and talented and experienced in the speaking coach realm. And she now has the opportunity to get in front of exactly who she's trying to get in front of by introducing every single speaker and working with every single speaker. It's literally like watching 16 case studies for this woman and it's awesome. And I love it. And it's a win for me. It's a win for her. It's been really a great way for me to think outside the box of, again, traditional collaborations. So thinking through, okay, what would an awesome experience be for my event, for my community, for my whoever, and having the other person get to shown and showcase in a way that is very case study-like is something that I don't think enough people are doing in the sense of that's one of the best ways to sell right now is case studies, to be honest. So, you know, yes, you can put it in a PDF or you can highlight it in a quick video, but getting to see in real time people's case studies and people's experiences and whatnot, it's like, oh, can't get any more kind of raw than that, so to speak. So that's on that I would love to see more people doing and showcasing and thinking outside the box of with their communities. And then there's other smaller ways like going live on Facebook together or doing a Reels collab or things like that on social media as well. So there's many, many types of collabs. (laughs) A speaker for a friend of mine, Summit, and we did a collab reel yesterday and I got a boxer from her this morning because she's in Australia. That's like, I have no idea what you did, but I hit accept. Like, I don't know what this thing is or did I do it right? And I'm like, you're running a summit. You should do a collab reel with every single speaker the day that it releases. There's so many things that we can do, but I really love that example of the speaking coach because not only is it a win for her, it's a win for the speakers, but it's a win for your community. It's a win for the attendees too because they're getting much higher quality presentations that are going to help them make the progress they want to make and get results. So I think that one right there is being a win-win-win is a really, really great example of how this can go beyond just things like list swaps and podcast swaps. And those things are great. And there are companies like ConvertKit, I know, is trying to make it really easy for creators to collab. So now there's certain creators that if you subscribe to their email list, it immediately pops up and is like, 
you may like other people like this and all you have to do is check a box and then you're automatically subscribed to those other people too. So and it's definitely, I think it's becoming more prevalent. Companies are trying to make it easier for you to collaborate because especially with Instagram Reels or Instagram Live and I've seen a lot of people blow up by doing collabs on IG Live and all that kind of stuff. One of the things I think can hold people back from collaborations is having a short-term mindset. So can you talk a little bit around, because I think so often we just talk about the tactics and what you need to do, and then people hit stumbling blocks and they're like, well, they didn't teach me right. And I'm like, no, 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 like you don't have the mindset that's required for this to work. So what shifted in you or what do you find in yourself that helps you take this kind of approach? Oh, yes. I think it's, I like how you framed it, like short-term mindset, because again, people think, If I'm going to show up somewhere, I have to make sales. Like, their people are buying my stuff. And it's very one-track-minded. And again, that's not to say that your time isn't valuable and that shouldn't be one of the things that is brought about by this. And a lot of times, you never know who's in the audience. You never know who's watching. And I think that there's a lot more ways to get paid for collaborations that could include, again, like you landing another speaking opportunity from being a guest expert in this person's community or having a podcast interview go really well. And they're like, oh, my friend has a podcast and therefore, and this was a really great interview. Now I want to send you to my friend who I know is looking for really great guests as well. There's always connectivity. There's always more than just the sales. And We have to also know that when it comes to marketing and getting sales, a lot of times people are not going to buy the very first time that they meet you. That is lovely and wonderful, and we all will accept that. However, a lot of times people need to get to know you. They need to be nurtured. They need to connect. They need to learn more about you before taking that next step. And Alex Catoni of, of the Copy Posse, if you follow her, she did a really great talk at AdWorld earlier this year that talked about the increase of touch points that she's had to do in order to maintain the amount of sales that she is doing. And what I mean by that, as far as touch points, means people need to see more content from her, have more emails from her, see more ads from her, whatever the case is. They need to literally have more times that they're seeing or experiencing her brand in order to maintain the same level of revenue. Which they used to say it was like seven. Now they say it's like 30, 40, 50, 20 something. Like it's insane. Yeah, exactly. And that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. When the industry changes or economy changes or things like that, that is going to adjust the touch points. We saw in the pandemic, it took less touch points because people were A lot of new people were flooding into the industry and they were looking for things that our industry is known for. And so there was a quote unquote heyday, if you will, of people who it took less touch points. Now we're seeing, like I said, more touch points. That can be emails, that can be social media, that can be ads, that can be podcast episodes, that could be all sorts of things. And so... If your short-term mindset is, I only want to do collaborations where I'm going to get the immediate sale, then you're going to miss out and actually have to keep chasing sales rather than like I'm continuously planting and harvesting the seeds throughout the entire year from every single collab that I've ever done. And so with that consistent flow of collaborations happening, I'm collecting and engaging with people along the way and, you know, 
someone will come in and purchase a month from now, two months, three months. And so again, instead of me always having to chase the sale for that month or the next month, it's like, oh, like I've been planting so many seeds and I'm nurturing along the way that I know it is, again, a given essentially that eventually people will start to purchase. Now, will there be a certain subset of people who will never purchase anything from you? Absolutely. But I don't see them as unvaluable at all because a lot of times they'll share your podcast episodes, they'll promote you in different ways, they will be your biggest cheerleaders. And so I don't necessarily, again, think that it's necessary to chase after like the highest of conversion rates, which I think is kind of a dog chasing its tail a little bit anyway. And so when you think about, okay, I'm planting seeds and like bringing people into my world, making sure I'm nurturing them, because I think that, again, a lot of people are collecting people and then like not talking to them really at all or like connecting with them in some way. And that is really missing out on a ton of of opportunity and value too, because sometimes I'll send emails that have nothing to do with business and are just about my life or just about what I'm struggling with. And a lot of times people will want to book me on a podcast because of an email I sent or connect me with some person about another collaboration in some way, just because I was willing to share about what's going on with me. So I I think that when it comes to business, yes, sales is the lifeblood, obviously, and sales can come about in so many different ways that in order to set yourself up for the best success, in my opinion, doing collaborations consistently is a wonderful way to get in front of what I deem lukewarm leads because they aren't cold because someone's vouching for you. They aren't warm because they don't transferring trust. Yeah, exactly. Transferring that trust from that person. And so I will be straight up. I'm not great with cold. Like when I run ads to cold audiences or I just drop myself into a community or whatever that doesn't know me, it's not great. When I am introduced, when I am vouched for things like that, it works much better for me. And I don't take offense to the cold audience thing. It's fine. And okay, if that's what works, then I'm just going to keep doing that. Yeah, for sure. They just don't know your greatness yet. They will. They will. I love how you mentioned that you can't just collect them. You can't just collect people. We have to nurture them. So is that, I know you have a, a private podcast. Is that part of your nurture strategy? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So what's been interesting about private podcast. It's been a really great lead magnet for me in in a lot of different areas. And because I know naturally my people listen to podcasts, I know that about them. So, you know, guides are cool. Videos are cool, all that stuff. But really, if they can just pop in a podcast and, and hear my voice, then that's going to help them to feel connected to me. So yeah, my collab cast, which is a 10 episode private podcast, And I walk through my process on collabs, my philosophy on collabs, and why I think they're extremely powerful and underrated is really the way that I have Ready, Set, Collab set up is its open, closed launch. And so in between, I want to be able to give in some way, shape, or form. So usually people are on my list and they'll get emails from me, right? But with the collab cast, they're actually hearing what I'm all about, what our program is all about or membership really. And I didn't realize how much of a system, how I do collabs is. And so many people could benefit from it. Cause I know people who get a ton of collabs like I do, but they don't get an ROI from it in any way, shape or form. They're not really being asked to be on other people's podcasts. They're not really seeing sales from it. They're not really getting a ton of leads that 
move the needle in any way, shape, or form. And so while it's like, oh, Jordan, you do 50 collabs a year, they're very strategic collabs. I don't say yes to every opportunity. I don't say yes to every podcast, every whatever, because then it takes me off the path. It takes me off of the end goal. And so I want to be in front of people who could potentially become clients or customers or collaboration partners or biz besties, right? Like I want to be in those rooms. I don't want to just be in any rooms. Like I don't do e-commerce. And while it's cool, I have literally zero issues with it. That's not who I help. That's not who I serve. I know nothing about it. You probably don't want to listen to me. I'm always going to say no to any collabs around that just because it doesn't fuel what my goals are. And so when it comes to the collab cast, it's a way for people to hear it's okay to say no to collaborations. That's definitely a, not like a philosophy I have, but that's a very big pillar that I stand on, I guess, because it's not just all visibility is good visibility. It's really being conscious of your time and conscious of your energy and showing up for the things that are going to get you closer to those goals that you're looking after. So Cloudcast is a, a nurturing tool for sure. And I use Hello Audio for it. And I love, love, love using private podcasts. I have quite a few of them. <laughs> They're always like, you may be one of our like highest used like people or whatever. I'm like, great. <laughs> I'm sure Lindsay loves it. She's like, it's awesome. Yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> Your private podcast, is it something that you're releasing new episodes all the time or it's one and done, like when they can download it. Cause I've done it with clients where it's just for their challenge or their whatever. And it's like, there's like five or six episodes on there and that's what you get. Or is it something that you're constantly updating? Yeah. So for that one, I am, I do have it be a set 10 and whatnot. So there could be a reason to sprinkle some in there. I've started a second private podcast that's called 21 collabs and counting. And that is just a journey of, okay, it's, I'm six months into the year. I'm at 21 collabs and you know, my goal is 50. And so I share at the mid year point, what has worked, what hasn't worked, what my marketing strategy overall is between collaborations, Instagram, and email. Mainly I share my like Airtable base that is like super nerdy. If you like love data. Well, everybody knows my love language is Airtable and avocado. So we're good. <laughs> right. And this is, yeah, why we're newly friends. So that one's fun because I actually have three main episodes. And then I had folks, it was a, it's a $9, like it's a paid private podcast. And so people can actually suggest questions and ask me questions about my marketing strategy, about collabs, about this, about that. It's been cool. So I've been answering questions through their submissions and those become the episodes. So they, it's through video ask, so they audio their question. And so then that's the beginning of the episode as they get to hear the question from the person. And then I answer the question afterwards, which is really cool. Oh, I love that idea. And we use video ask and, and talk about it a lot on the podcast too. So I just think it's so creative, just the way you're thinking about it. And one of the things I think can happen so much in the online space is that we just try and replicate what everyone else is doing. But it sounds like you're always just trying to innovate and just figure out like how here's the goal that I have, what are all the different ways that I can accomplish that goal? And then what feels easy and in alignment? 100%. And I think that people have to understand themselves better, which is, it sounds cool. It's like, okay, let me go do a personality quiz or something. 
But really, it can be scary to get to know yourself. And it can, it's going to show you what you're great at. It's also going to show you what you're not so great at. And it can feel like, oh, everyone else is doing so great on Instagram, but like, it doesn't jive with me for whatever reason and whatnot. It's not where I'm comfortable. I'm more comfortable on LinkedIn or wherever. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's opportunity everywhere. And so not just feeling like, okay, let me follow what everybody else is doing because that is the only way. There is no only way. There's so many ways to make money, to have a business and to market that it doesn't have to look the same as everyone else. A bunch of people are always talking about how I need to do ads because my organic does really, really well. Yeah, like I'll sprinkle some ads in there every once in a while. But for me, organic works and I don't have an issue with it. I don't curse the day every single day when I have to go and post something on Instagram or whatever. And so if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Don't feel like you're having to adjust to everyone else's opinions and expectations or ideas that they have for your business. Like that's their idea. And you can just put it in the parking lot and never return or (laughs) return later if you want to. So yeah, I think that getting to know yourself is one of the most powerful things that you can do for your business because it will help you to make decisions much faster. And if you can make decisions faster, then again, the momentum is there, which can be a really exciting place to be in business. Yeah. A lot of people say the speed at which you can make decisions is one of the biggest determining factors of your ability to succeed in business. So I love that you mentioned that. So, okay, let's get a little practical here. I'm Sally Joe, I'm sitting here listening to this. I've tried the hard stuff. I'm posting all the Instagrams. I'm maybe even trying to run ads. I've got a list of my like 50, 150, who knows people. Or maybe I'm somebody who does have actually a large following and a large list, but I'm tapping out in my existing community. I mean, what are my first steps for finding somebody to collaborate with? And I think especially if I feel like, well, what do we all have that issue of it's like, well, what do I have to offer? Like, what can I even bring to the table? Mm-hmm. The thing about finding the best collabs is that usually you're not just going to be scrolling and all of a sudden there's like, oh, this person is a great collaboration partner for me because there's layers to that. It's not just about, okay, will there people buy my stuff? We do want there to be an audience fit. That is a very important part of the process is, again, you're never going to see me talk in front of e-commerce people unless I all of a sudden become an e-commerce person. So finding those audience matches is key. And then I think technically before that, it should be a values match, meaning that, again, this person isn't like, I would never go and speak to somebody's audience who they've blatantly said that like VIP days are the worst business model ever. Like it just, it would, one, Selling, you know, my day-to-day self-study probably would not go well anyway and whatnot. But also it's just like, okay, that's not going to benefit either of us in any way if you're very much against VIP days. Now, if I'm not even selling my VIP day thing, then maybe it doesn't matter as much. But making sure that the values are aligned. Yes. So you feel like you're remaining in integrity and that they are as well. And I think that's something that's more important these days because who you align yourself with can get you in a heap of trouble, right? If you're not even caught, if you're not paying attention to that. Associations are big. And I think that people, for some reason, don't think about that. I think about that often. It sounds like meticulous or something, but I am very 
cautious or hesitant about, again, what associations am I building, who I'm connected with, or who I do affiliate stuff for, or things like that. Like, I would say that it's very tough for me to say yes to a collaboration with somebody that I've never spoken to ever. Now, are there people that I've like bantered, you know, on Instagram with back and forth and we've been following each other and I'm able to follow along with what their thing is? Yes, definitely. Because again, I'm, I'm being nurtured technically through their Instagram, through DMs, through watching their stories, etc. So I can get a gist of what they're about. And then we can go deeper with what the collaboration is and whatnot. But I just think that it's really, really crucial for you to think about who you're associated with. And that's not to say that to never collaborate, because what if it blows up in your face because I don't want that to be the the sentiment either but it is important that you think about okay there's someone who is not elevating those women of color people of color etc like again it's not going to be a place for me to step foot because I am a woman of color number one and number two that is I have a very diverse community and so those are going to be extremely crucial when you're deciding who and where you want to collaborate is those value matches. So value match, audience match, those are the biggest things you want to look for when you are looking to collaborate and also looking at your kind of inner circle first. Again, that does not mean that you should collaborate only with people that are in your inner circle, right? Because there's so much vastness and opportunity. However, if you've never done a collaboration before, getting some under your belt with people that you know very, very well is a good way to get that, again, momentum going versus, again, just going straight to cold where you have no connection. Yeah. And I think about my podcast, like my early interview episodes were all people that I knew really well, right? It's like I did that because I knew I wasn't ready to bring somebody new into my world and flub up in front of them. But, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, just like bantering back and forth with people on Instagram I honestly think that's a great way to find people to collaborate with. And maybe you're like, well, okay, I follow Amy Porterfield, so I want to collab with her, but I'm not at Amy's level. So, okay, well, who else is in Amy's comments? You get in Amy's comments, who else is in her comments? Look and see who's following her and who's kind of in that sphere in that world and then start following and engaging. If you are on social media, you're trying to get engagement and attention. And if you say you're not, you're lying. That's what we're all there for at the end of the day. And so to be somebody who is providing that, to be somebody who doesn't scroll past the reel, that's one easy way to start building and initiating relationship with somebody that you could potentially collaborate with. Like you hear this conversation a lot about the Dream 100, like put your Dream 100 list. You probably don't know yet the people that are going to be your future collaborators. I think when we do Dream 100 lists, it's a little, I sure, do it. Manifest your destiny with all of these Dream 100 people if you want, if that's your jam. But oftentimes you're putting the biggest named people on the list because that is who you're aware of. But the reality is, is that you don't even know the people you're going to be collaborating with because you haven't even started getting into that world and you're much more likely to have success and reciprocal success when you're working with people who kind of have a similar size business and a similar size audience. And then together, you all are elevating and growing your audiences and your businesses. 100%. And I think that peer-to-peer collaborations are huge. And what I mean by peer-to-peer collaborations are 
somebody who, again, has either a similar size business to you or helps people in an adjacent type problem to yours. And I would say that, yeah, the majority of like, I've had the things where like, I mentioned an Amy Porterfield's book. Has that brought me a single lead? I don't know, but it's like fine. Like I didn't, that wasn't something that was necessarily on my radar. What I care about is people who have audiences between like a thousand to 10,000. That's my sweet spot. And again, that's from numerous testing and numerous doing of things is I don't need the hundreds of thousands of millions and bajillions. I just need those really intimate communities. And that's usually like email list size, but I will speak in front of rooms of 20 people on virtual because again, if it's the right 20 people, then I'm going to speak with them. I mean, that's going to be very exciting for me. I love going deep with people. So I definitely encourage folks to not feel like, okay, if I just get that big fish, like that's going to skyrocket my whole life because I think that's what we're sold, right? It's like, okay, get on the Today Show or have Mel Robbins mention you on Instagram or whatever. Like it's fine and it's cool, but it also probably won't skyrocket your business like you think it will. And I think that's kind of the Oprah effect. So there is Oprah. And when Oprah opens her mouth and says that she's wearing this jumper, the jumper is about to pop off. And so now everyone expects that from not even Oprah level people, but the Oprahs of every industry I found. And when I've spoken to friends and stuff that like majority of the time, those big, big mentions or things like that aren't what fuel the business, aren't what get you the tons of leads. Yes, it it builds your brand awareness. Absolutely. But to get leads, to get more opportunities to speak elsewhere, I think that peer to peer opportunities is the number one way to get to have that train just like flowing on the tracks is looking around you left right not looking up all the time and finding people who are again in your sphere and have similar size audience to you yeah and and so true i'm just thinking back on the collaborations i've done and i've spoken to audiences of you know, multiple thousands. And yet I did, I spoke at a little event. I think there was maybe 15 to 20 people at this event. And I spoke at that event and I have built, you know, so many relationships and connections. Next week, I'm having dinner with two people from that event. And then a couple weeks later, I'm having coffee with somebody from that event. I'm getting more depth of relationship and future collaborations from that room of 15 or 20 than I've gotten from being on stages with thousands in the room. Okay, so selfishly, I know we're running out of time a little bit, but I know my team and I are starting to figure out ManyChat, and yes. you <laughs> use ManyChat really well. And for those of you that don't know, ManyChat is, in fact, I used it years ago when all you could do was use it in Facebook Messenger, and it just wasn't, it didn't have the stuff then, right? So I just put it on the shelf, didn't do anything with it. It was really funny because recently... I logged back into or like my Facebook because you have to sign up through Facebook to create this account. And it was like pulled in all of my old like health and wellness business, like all my old businesses. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I used to do this forever ago. But it's an automated chat bot, if you will. And you can do it in a way that doesn't feel icky and slimy. You do it in a way that it actually serves your audience and your community. So can you talk just a little bit about that and how you're leveraging it? Totally. I love me some mini chat. I... Use it because, you know, I have a pretty significant following on Instagram, about 25,000. And 
I don't have an email list of 25,000. So (laughs) I know that is a really great place for me to, again, connect with people, nurture with people, also then bring them onto my email list. And so what I will do in, in the simplest of ways is, again, do educational how-to or share a story. And then at the end, I'll not only verbally say it, or, and I also will have it on the actual video or reel or carousel, but I also will put it in the captions where I say, comment below, waitlist one, and I'll send you the link to sign up for our waitlist. And what was interesting was prior to doing it that way, you would think people would go to my link in bio often, but a lot of times I would have like a short link or an easy link that people could go and check out and people would type it in, which was fascinating and literally the slowest conversion ever. But you got me really qualified people because if they're willing to sit there and be like, okay, basiclab.com slash waitlist, that takes a lot more effort. Now we have many chats, so now we don't need to do that. But I use it for bringing people to my wait list, people signing up for my collab cast, people purchasing things. So when I was doing my strategy saving mastermind, I would have people, you know, start conversations that way, get freebies, get all sorts of things. So it's a way for you to actually grow your email list through social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, specifically for many chat. And people really appreciate it. It's nice because when someone comments, it's actually up at the, at the top. It actually says like, says I'm saying you messaged you something. And so then you click that and then either you say, hey, like here's the link. Or what I've been playing around with more often is actually asking for people's name and email addresses in the DMs and just signing them up myself. So we've been skipping the landing page in a lot of ways, which is fascinating because I mean, landing pages and squeeze pages have been about in our industry for however long. And so now that you can literally share a 30 second or even sometimes like seven second video on Instagram, and that's enough for somebody to give you their email address is just pretty incredible. So either one works. And again, there's even more features like people can now purchase through ManyChat because now there's like meta payments and all that sort of stuff. So it's going to get really cool. And I found that again, ManyChat is 15 bucks for the ability to 15 bucks a month to have that comment ability and do the like I have an integration with HubSpot. So when I ask them their first name and their email, they automatically add to my HubSpot. So for some of the additional features, it's like 15 bucks a month. But it's the best I would rather spend that 15 bucks a month and get email leads that way than thousands on Facebook ads. Like it just Yeah, it makes sense to me. We're right in the midst of it right now. Like literally yesterday, my team sent me this, like they're testing. You can go on my Instagram right now and see it. It's being tested. But they were like, this is what we have set up. And the first question I asked in Voxer was, well, what if we just asked them for their email address? And then could we do that? Like, is it that fancy? And they're like, oh yeah, like if we do the pro for, you know, pro account. And I'm like, well, how much is that? They're like $15 a month. I'm like, why are you asking me this? (laughs) do the pro account. This is crazy. Like, yes, no, no, no. We just want to ask somebody their email and then get them the thing. And you can get the email, send it to their email, but then you can also deliver it right there. And I think the thing that's really valuable about it is it's really hard to capture attention, but it's even harder to keep it. So if we can get somebody to watch the reel, comment the thing, it immediately pops to the notification. They see the DM. It's like, you want the thing? Give me the email. You give them the email and then it pops the thing. They still get on your email list, but it pops what they asked for right there in the DM. They're way more likely to consume it. And that's 
the goal. Keep people consuming and making progress and building connection. So I love it because I think all of these things really weave together because you do the collaboration, but then the question is, is then what? How am I nurturing? Where do they go? You do the collab reel. Well, what are you doing there? Well, you can use ManyChat and you can use ManyChat to give them an invite to your private podcast. Like it all weaves together. I love it. Okay, so this is so good. And I know people are going to want to dive deeper specifically to go into the private podcast to learn more about collabs. So how do people get their hands on your private podcast other than going to your Instagram and commenting something and getting a mini <laughs> chat DM? Right. If you want to check out the private podcast, my collab cast, it is readysetcollab.com slash collabcast. And you can sign up there. And then again, if you are just like, I don't know about giving me my email, Jordan, yet, then come follow me on Instagram. Come chat with me. Message me. I am the person on the other side of my Instagram. I really enjoy chatting with people. And sometimes when my many chat does pop off, it's hard to manage messages in there, I'm realizing. So I'm trying to figure out my system to not lose things. But I love to talk. I love to, again, just have really interesting conversations over there. And so I would say those are probably the two best places. But I also do have a podcast, like a public podcast, System Save Me, that you can check out as well. Awesome. So System Save Me podcast, go to her Instagram. All of the links are going to be down below. So you'll have access to all of that. Jordan, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate you, Shanna. Hey, if you're serious about creating a thriving online community, then you need to really understand the four foundations of every thriving community. I'm going to teach it to you in a free seven-minute training. That's right. It's just seven minutes. You don't even have to give me your email address to get access. All you have to do is go to freecommunitytraining.com or DM me the word training over on Instagram to get access. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe. Then do me a favor and leave a review letting me know what you want to hear more of. To learn more about the show or connect with me, head to shanalyn.com. That's S-H-A-N-A-L-Y-N-N.com. Until next time.